Hello, welcome to Horror Call Trash Show, the show that discusses all the masterpieces and trash the pieces of genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. And this week, we're back. We're back with uh, more trash. More trash. Yeah. For anyone who listens to our podcast where us talking about good films, you've probably had a torturous few weeks. Um, I don't think people... Want to hear no, let's let's face it. Everyone wants to hear us talk shit about trash. Yeah. Um. But we've really hit the jackpot this week because we have a trash to piece and a film that is just straight up trash. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're both pretty trashy, aren't they? Yeah. Yes. What are we discussing, Gary? We are discussing the stud and the bitch, or as its full title goes, Joan Collins is the bitch. Joan Collins is the bitch. Um. We we discuss a lot of trash. I think this is camp realm as well, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. This is super gay. This is super super gay, super camp, um, super disco, <laughs> um, <laughs> and super shit at times. To be fair. Yeah. So this this film, uh, these films, should I say? Uh, they definitely walked so that the likes of Xanadu, Can't Stop the Music, and Showgirls could run. This is very Showgirls. This is very much a precursor to Showgirls. Um, it's, it's also very Can't Stop the Music. Yeah, well, this this is really the um, British answer to <laughs> Saturday Night Fever. Yeah, you can tell this is definitely coming off the back of Saturday Night Fever's success. Yeah. And, and what's bizarre is that, as you'll find out when we go through the trivia, is the fact that these films were successful. Yeah. Um, you know, they were box office smashes, you know. <laughs> People love that shit. <laughs> well, starting off with The Stud, released in 1978, directed by Quinton Masters who directed Fum Tripping, A Dangerous Summer, and Midnight Spares. Uh, made on a budget of one million... Now, it says dollars on IDV, I swear this is a British film, so I say pounds. Um, I'm not sure how much it made, but I know it made a lot. So, getting into the trivia, uh, Jackie Collins uh, wrote the novel that this film is based on, and she granted the rights to her sister Joan Collins uh, for free. Yeah, so a little um, backstory. So John John Collins was a sort of mildly famous actress uh, in sort of the 50s and going into the 60s. Um, she never sort of reached the heights of like Marilyn Monroe or, you know, um, the, an Audrey Hepburn or Elizabeth Taylor. She was up for the role of Cleopatra. Uh, which was a huge deal at the time, um, but she was she was a Hollywood star. Um, sort of by obviously the seventies, she had passed the age of forty, which obviously we all know is a death toll for uh, um, an actress's uh, career. You know, Lord forbid they age, uh, and she was having a tough time, and she was having a tough time getting roles. And Jackie Collins had written the novel in. 1969 uh, so it certainly wasn't a disco novel <laughs> um, and she sort of said you know Jackie can I get the rights to this film I think we can do something with it and revitalize my career and by god that's what she did yeah. you know props to her uh, one of the most famous scenes in the film is the very 
not so sexy orgy sequence um, in a swimming pool. Um, uh, and it was set in Paris, France, but it was actually filmed at the Sanctuary, a private women's health and spa club in Covent Garden, London, which closed <laughs> in 2014. Could you tell it wasn't Paris? Uh, was I mean, the parrot, the parrot convinced me. The parrot, yes, the French parrot. That did convince us. Um, when this movie became successful at the box office, Jackie Collins went out and wrote a book sequel to her novel, The Stud, titled The Bitch. Uh, the books were published about a decade apart in 1969 and 1979, and the film uh, adaptation, which we'll be discussing shortly, was made pretty much straight away, whereas the first movie had taken almost a decade to get made from the time the novel was first published. Uh, the sequel just had no delays in getting filmed at all because of the success that it was. Yeah, I don't know if you've got it on the trivia, but um, apparently there was... The idea was that Tony Curtis was going to play the stud. Uh, I think I've got a scenario, yeah. But also, not just uh, not just Tony Curtis, um, Sir Tom Jones yes. was going to play the stud. Um, he expressed interest in starring in films, and uh, he got a copy of the script... And he turned down the role when he discovered the sexual nature of the film. And he once said of the novel itself that he was shocked. shocked. But you have a song called Sex Bomb, Tom Jones. He How are you shocked? Sex bomb. <laughs> <laughs> he did have a song called I mean, Sex Bomb. I mean, you know, it's, it's not that shocking. Um, the movie was released nine years after the novel was published. The movie's production st- uh, stated that the novel had been too hot to handle and that it had taken several years for public attitudes towards sex to relax enough for this movie to be made. Yeah, let's not get it twisted. This is actually pretty mild compared to now. Yeah. Like, really. Um, but at the time, it was, ooh, it caused a sensation. Well, yeah, I mean, you get um, Joan Collins bearing all. She does, she does. Uh, which is obviously, you know, I mean, as we said when we did uh, The Boy Next Door, when you have a film with someone a little famous like that in it, and, you know, to get it all out, that's, that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, and I mean... But think of the other women that get it all out in both of these films, and, you know, you don't think twice about those, but as soon yeah. as Joan Collins gets it, I was like, oh, my God. But, I mean, and, you know, however cynical this sounds or not, that that's your unique selling point. Yeah. You know, you, you haven't got old-time Hollywood actresses taking it all off on screen very often, you know? No. Um, so that must have helped. Uh, Barbara Cartland once said of Jackie Collins' novel The Stud, it's a nasty book, filthy and disgusting. I hardly slept after reading it. I hardly slept after watching the film. <laughs> Couldn't get disco dancing out of my head. <laughs> yeah, so just... Uh, Barbara Cartland was a romantic novelist, so not too dissimilar to Jackie Collins. Um, but not as racy. Um, she's she wrote those sort of books that middle aged women read and you know, fantasized about romance with sailors and pirates mm. and shit. Um <laughs> Oliver and Boone style. Uh, Oliver Tobias, who plays the lead role, um, as the stud. Um what's what's his name? What's his name? <laughs> the stud. Thank you. Uh, I'm, I'm not just randomly asking you that. That is the actual lyrics to the theme song of the film. Um, yeah, uh, Oliver Tobias stated that his role in this film typecast him and ruined his career. 
So he was always just stood after this. Oh, I thought it was his wooden acting. <laughs> Dark cast as a fucking mannequin. The film was cut or even banned in several distribution territories, and so was the novel. Uh, J- Joan Collins once described the film as a rather erotic and sensual story, but sophisticated, just like Shampoo or Alfie. Ever since I read the book, I have wanted to play Fontaine. She's the arch-bitch goddess, but there's another dimension. There's a lot of sadness there and a lot of pain. Was there, though, Joan Collins? Um, there probably was, <laughs> but the film never dealt with it. <laughs> I mean, if she showed any emotion in her performance, other than being a sassy bitch, then... You know, maybe we'll be able to tell. But do you, do you think it's uh, you compare it to Shampoo or Alfie? Um, uh, <laughs> I, mean, I don't know if we've seen either. Well, sh- probably Shampoo. I mean, he's the Warren Beatty type, isn't he? Um, the handsome, all the women are after him. Um, alpha male shit. Um, but I'm not, I'm not sure in terms of uh, uh, style and... Uh, um, sort of classiness. I don't think there's a, a big giant swing in uh, shampoo. Discotheque scenes were filmed at a private members only uh, celebrity frequented nightclub Tramp, situated in German Street, London, England. Uh, the night spot was co founded by Jackie Collins' then husband, Oscar Lerman who was the executive producer in charge of production on this film and was still running the club at the time this film was made. Um, I mean, it's great looking at the location shots and seeing what things were like back then because it's certainly not like that now. No. No, that is true, actually. It, it's, it's, it's a weird... I mean, we watch lots of old-school American films, don't we? Yeah. And but we, we don't really have a comparison, but when you watch an old British film, we're like, oh... You know, is that what Britain used to look like? Because it looks different now, doesn't it? It does. So getting into the first film, uh, Fontaine is the London wife of Benjamin, a wealthy Arab businessman. Um, she spends his money on wealthy her... Wealthy what? Yeah, there's something I write there. He's not Arab. I didn't think he was... He's, he's certainly not. Arabic? No. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she spends his money on a nightclub, the Hobo... <laughs> And partying. Really, there isn't much of a stretch there from calling the club the tramp to calling the club the hobo, is there? That's true. Um, she hires a handsome manager, Tony, to run her club, but it is understood that his job security is dependent on his satisfying her sexual needs and demands. Or uh, nymphomania, nymphomaniacal demands. Yes, yeah. Um, Did you not practice reading that? No, I didn't. I didn't. Or else I would have known that, you know, he was meant to be, uh, you know, an Arab character, which is not the case. Yeah. He's certainly, he's he's definitely an old, an old white man. He's he's an old white man. (laughs) I swear he is. Um, No, he definitely is. Yeah, he he definitely definitely is. is. Yeah. It's not even mentioned in the film, so I don't know why. No, that's in no. The in in the I don't think her surname was mentioned in the first no. film. So when it was the second film, her name was Fontaine Khaled. Mm. So I was like, Oh, she must have married in between. Oh, okay, that makes sense now. But yeah. Anyway, so uh we open on various pictures signed to Tony who is apparently a naughty boy. Yes, very naughty boy. Uh my particular <laughs> My particular favourite says, 
from one tramp to another. <laughs> Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Yeah, this is a Christmas film, guys. Christmas special uh, a few months early. But it's, yeah, I mean, it's not <laughs> proper Christmas. It's a random Christmas I, I found it festive watching it. There we are. So we um, get a close-up of a woman putting her knickers on after sleeping with Tony. She looks get like it from one of about... the Nolan sisters. <laughs> we get it from about three different angles. We do. <laughs> we do. We get a close-up of her putting her knickers on. Um, they're slightly see-through, aren't they? Slightly. Slightly. Very see-through. <laughs> um, Tony... Bush, Bush is back in office. <laughs> uh, yeah, and this Bush belongs to Felicity. Um, inventive name. Um... Tony tells Felicity that she can call him any time. And then we are given the amazing theme song, The Stud, by Bidu Orchestra, uh, which does have the lyrics, uh, What's his name? What's his name? The Stud. What's his game? What's his game? The Stud. <laughs> uh, it's a lot more mysterious than, What's his name? What's his name? <laughs> the Stud. Um... Yeah, I mean, what can you say about the uh, theme song? Which, it's, I mean, it's pure disco. It's on our playlist. It's on our Horror Culture Show playlist. It is. So Spotify. it's on Spotify. Um, I'll say it now. Both these films, the soundtrack is better than the actual oh, film yeah. itself. Yeah. Um, maybe not the theme songs <laughs> necessarily. <laughs> The bitch theme song is better than both of these films combined, though. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, we, we get to see Tony getting himself ready for the day whilst yeah, his, his theme he, song's played. He ignores some bills. Yeah. Um, and then he gets gets out of a parking ticket. He is a terrible driver. And he drives off awful. He's an awful driver. Oh my God, there are so many points in this film where he drives and... It's intense to watch. Yeah, he's like swerving and going t- far too fast. And he hangs his head out the side of a car like a fucking dog. Yeah. He doesn't just look in front of him. That's what we match him, doesn't it? Well, apparently. Um, so he's woken up in the morning and then he's driven and suddenly it's dark and he pulls up at a bar. <laughs> I'm assuming this is Hobo, the club. Mm-hmm. And, uh, no, no, I don't think he goes straight to Hobo because he interrupts a really intense pinball game first. Pinball? Is that the same? Yeah, this, the guy's playing pinball and he turns off the lights. Oh, does he? Yeah. Oh, well, all I've got is a group of Italian men need to get the place ready for the punters. Yeah, he, he tells a guy to give another guy a chubby tonight. Chubby? Yeah. I think he means his cock. Oh. Yeah. Were you watching the same film? Well, I didn't hear that. <laughs> Disgraceful. I notice these things. Um, we then get I'm Not In Love by 10cc playing. We certainly do. Uh, well, we get a phone call for Tony from uh, Fontaine, um, telling him that the car is ready. And then he gets a phone call from his mother as I'm Not In Love by 10cc plays <laughs> in the background. Yeah, she, he talks to him about his washing, uh, dyeing clothes and Christmas. Yes. Uh, Tony pulls up at a large, nice house, doesn't he? Uh, as uh, Fontaine watches from a balcony, cigarette in hand. Oh my god, and she's absolutely slaying she the game. She is, she is. She is living her best life on this balcony, waiting to get hers. Um, he enters the building and they start getting it on in the lift. Yes. And uh, she sort of points out that they're on CCTV. Yeah. 
Um, now, what I found slightly strange is that the soundtrack sounds like ocean noises that you use <laughs> to relax, like whale noises. Um, so, so they're getting it on in uh, in the lift, and we're seeing it uh, via CCTV yeah. as well, aren't we? Uh-huh. Um, and what does what does Fontaine say? Well, after this really steamy <laughs> extended sex scene, uh, goes on for quite a while. They're you know really passionate. So like, that was nice. That was nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, then we <laughs> nothing to her. She's she's an nymphomaniac. She's she is just another screw. She is. So then we cut to a band performing at the club. The it's the, the band, the real thing, and they're performing a hit song, "Let's Go Disco." Let's go disco. <laughs> let's go disco. Uh, we gonna get the audience are doing a choreographed dance number. Oh yeah, I'm right here. Come on, choreographed dance routine <laughs> to the whole song. So we do get the whole song. Yeah, some of the lyrics are "Everybody's getting down and having a good time, y'all." Uh, and everybody is getting down and having a good time. It's true. I mean, no lies were detected. Every song in these films, you know, describes the scenes they're in. So they do, actually. They really do. Um, so Tony's doing the rounds. Uh, Felicity's there with her boyfriend as uh, a top-tier banger plays in the background. Love is the Drug by yeah. uh, Roxy Music. Um, Tony's pal is there with a much younger woman. Um, to which Tony says, they ask for a comic and some sweets, and you give them penthouse and amyl nitrate. <laughs> um, for anyone who doesn't know, amyl nitrate is poppers. <laughs> oh my god. Um, so when when they turn, and this is a little iffy, um, but uh, I think the idea is that she's 16 or 17, which is 16. rather creepy. Yeah. Um, which, which unfortunately, the, the film plays off as a joke. It's, it's like a running joke, isn't it? Yeah. Rather than, um, okay, you shouldn't be, you're like 40-odd. You shouldn't be with a 16-year-old. Yeah, this is, um, was that before, I think it was before, uh, we get a really pointless scene uh, of a guy being turned away from uh, the hobo because only single guys pull the girls. The fuck does yeah, really? Uh, yeah, I found that I didn't. I had no idea what was. There's so many scenes about. in this film that just didn't need to exist because it's just people talking shit. Yeah, and um, single guys pull. I don't. I didn't get it. But we can forgive that because Fontaine shows up and she is greeting everyone like she is royalty. She is absolutely serving with a Victorian updo. She thinks everybody wants to fucking talk to her. So, oh, hello, have you? Hello, you. It's just her club. <laughs> Um, she informs a guy that he reeks of sex and then tells another guy that the music's far too loud. <laughs> she does, yeah. She complains about the music, like, two or three times. Um, yeah, so she's joined by some friends. One of them is a very bitchy gay guy. Um, they just, she just talks shit about her stepdaughter. Yeah. And the, um, the guy who's there with a much younger girl, a far too young girl. Um, I'm assuming it's the same one. It, it's there's a couple of real sleaze balls in this. Um, then we cut to a a, a bona fide sleigh queen. Her name's Molly, and she is serving the house down boots, and <laughs> dancing along 
to Everyone's a Winner, Baby, by Hot Chocolate. <laughs> she, um, she's, what is she wearing? Like a purple, is it a purple catsuit? Yes. Yeah. Um, she's got a, an afro and she's just, she's not dancing with anyone. She's just really feeling yeah. the, uh, the music. She went there for her. She, uh, she doesn't want to pull anyone. Yeah. She's not interested in talking to anyone. She just went there to dance and that's what she's going to do. But she does catch Tony's eye. She does. And uh, in turn also uh, catches Fontaine's eye. Yes. So she, thinks, uh, uh, she has a divine name. Yes. <laughs> Fontaine's a little jealous, and she uh, she goes up to Tony, and she uh, starts giving him a feel around. She says, does that give you a hard-on? <laughs> very weird to hear Joan Collins say, does that give you a hard-on? Uh, <laughs> I'm assuming it does, but she don't do anything about it as she leaves. And uh, Tony goes to the gentleman, gentleman's toilet? Uh, yes. Goes to the men's toilet. And uh, he has a he chats he enjoys chatting business at the urinal, doesn't he? Does. He does. Um, so he chats a bit of business to a guy at the urinal about wanting to open up a club of his own. I don't know who this guy is. I don't know what his name is. <laughs> he does reappear, but I, I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, apparently it works, and uh, he did a does a business deal with his knob out. Yeah. And the, the more we talk about this film, the more I realise it has absolutely no fucking plot at no. all. No, it doesn't. Like, no. even that that premise I read out a minute ago was kind. Um, you know, it's been very generous because that is, there's no plot to this. No. It is just people disco dancing, having sex, and just talking about business for fucking 90 minutes. Yeah, but they're never doing anything about it. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> and there's, uh, there's a Joan Jett lookalike in the toilets. Uh, yeah, so I don't understand. Like the whole idea is that these rockers are there, like um, Rolling Stones type, uh, but they're at a place that just plays disco. And yeah. I, you know, I understand they're allowed to enjoy disco, but if you're like they're presenting them as if they're um, like proper hardcore rockers, yeah. um, but they're. they're 10cc playing in the fucking background. Yeah, and it is 10cc again. We get I'm not in yes, love again. They... We get, well, yeah, the stragglers are slow dancing at the end of the yeah. night. <laughs> uh, Tony has a slow dance with Molly, uh, and then we're given a close up of Fontaine's ass crack, who's as she's getting a massage. Yes, so yeah, so he, he does a dance with Molly. He says, uh, Where are you from, honey? Um, she says, Santa Page is a playboy, darling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then we cut to uh, Joan Collins' butt crack as she's getting, she, she's laying nude on her front, getting her uh, bum massaged, essentially. Yeah. With her uh, sketchy friend, Vanessa. Vanessa and her husband, Leonard, are fucking weird. Yeah, the weird type of couple that would that start talking to you on holiday... In fucking Spain or somewhere, and you'd never get rid of them. Yeah, before you know it, you're uh, in bed with them. Yeah, they're, they're, <laughs> they're, uh, they're definitely uh, an interesting type. Um, she tells uh, Vanessa that she made Tony the stud that yeah. he is. She says, when I first met him, he thought a 69 was a bottle of scotch. <laughs> <laughs> she, she also tells the uh, masseuse that he's getting her excited which causes him to run away. Yeah. 
Um, she's essentially agreeing that Vanessa can have Tony as a Christmas present. Uh, <laughs> she uh, gives Tony a call and uh, tells him that she'll be around in 10 minutes. Um, but we find out that he uh, had Molly over the night before and she's still there. But she understands and uh, she leaves, doesn't she, old Molly? Yeah. Um, Fontaine goes round to Tony's place and tells him she's got 15 minutes before she goes to the hairdressers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the hairdressers did to her, but after this scene, after, she, after you know, after she's apparently been to the hairdressers, she looks absolutely no different. Yeah. I don't know who does her hair normally then. Is she doing her own Victorian updo like she had the night before? Maybe. Um, but yeah, so she has 15 minutes for a quickie. Um, yeah, she pulls her shirt off, doesn't she? She's yeah. Like, I've got 15 minutes. And then Fontaine, after this, Fontaine shows Vanessa the security footage from the lift. And uh, <laughs> I don't know what context this was in, um, but someone said, Christ, creeps up on you, doesn't it? Age, darling, the invisible enemy. Yeah, Fontaine <laughs> says that. So she... Uh, is it Wax's lyrical about ageing? Yeah. Uh, um, she can't have kids because she had an abortion, apparently. Yeah. Apparently she can't have kids again. She probably never wanted them anyway. Um, she she asks Vanessa, what's Leonard like in bed? <laughs> to which Vanessa says, inventive. <laughs> and then Fontaine says, I thought he was a trifle gay. <laughs> <laughs> Trifle gay. <laughs> I'm assuming trifle means a little bit gay. Uh, that's that's a very old fashioned thing to say. I mean, trifle gay. It might just be a gay guy who likes trifles. Potentially. I'm trifle gay if that's the case. I'm not. You do like trifles, don't you? Mm, no. Oh, okay. I'm well, not a huge fan. You could be a cheesecake gay then. I do love a cheesecake. But there's these various references about Leonard being gay. Uh, and do you know what? The gay... Well, it's not too long until he has a cock in his mouth. I, I know, yeah. Um, I, when I say references, I don't mean subtle references. Um, the gay representation in both of these films actually isn't terrible for 1970. No. Um, I find the gay guys... are. A, tr- a trifle, a bit, <laughs> bit of the joke, but not like massively. Yeah, I mean, most things are a bit of a joke in these films because half of the time I don't even think it's meant to be fucking funny, and that's no. why it's funny. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like, you know, it, when you look at it compared to other films from around that time, <laughs> oh, look at yeah. Le Cage Ardeur, whatever the fuck it was called. The Cage of Belay. That was massively offensive and purposely meant to try to be funny, um, you know, with its gay representation. But this, I don't know, it doesn't feel malicious. No, I, I think I don't, it's massively think to do with the fact that Joan Collins is in the lead role. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, it, it doesn't actually. Um, the only offensive thing is the the gay's terrible fucking dancing in the sequel. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that one. Um, there's more boring banter between Tony and his friends. Oh, there's. I tell you what, th- if it's fucking offensive to anyone, it's offensive to straight people because it makes them look really fucking boring. It really does. Like, oh my god! Again, back to the whole the formula of you know dancing, sex, conversations, 
fuck me. The, these conversations, I don't even know what they're talking about. They just talk shit. All I got from this one, and they're just playing like snooker or something, aren't yeah. they? Um, Tony and his two friends. All I got from this one is, you're jealous I shag beautiful women and you pay for your cufflinks <laughs> by dicking old age pensioners. <laughs> this is trait people talk about. Apparently. I know. <laughs> it is just, it's kind of like, I, I wish they'd explored it a little more, but a very like toxic masculinity. Yeah. Like, he does business deals at the urinal. And he's like, oh, well, I shag beautiful birds. You shag old bitches <laughs> for cufflinks. <laughs> like, what? Um, we're introduced to uh, Fontaine's husband, Ben. Um, and, uh, the Arab, Ben. Yeah, he's yeah. not. The, the very the, white I'm, I'm Arab. Pretty sure that actor, I'm pretty sure that actor wasn't... No. Um, if, if they were going for... Um, I suppose it would be cultural appropriation. Or, well, maybe or, he was in the novel. Um, maybe, and they just didn't change it. Yeah. But I, I didn't. I was not getting um, Arabic, and I, I hope that wasn't what they were going for. And it's just some sort of mistake. Yeah. In the uh, plot line. Uh, she Fontaine reveals that they've been invited to go to Paris for New Year's Eve. Uh, he can't go, but she agrees to go on her own. Yes, which is exactly what she wanted anyway, because yeah. she wants to share Tony out for Christmas. Um, a drunk guy talks shit with a pair of knickers on his head. So this is the guy that couldn't get in earlier, because single fellas get the birds or whatever. Yeah, and then in um, another amazing showcase of toxic masculinity, he turns around and says, Tony, drop your trousers, let's see who's got the biggest willy. <laughs> And then tries to punch Tony. <laughs> um, oh, uh, as what song plays in the background? What song was it? It was Emotions by Bee Gees. <laughs> um, um, for anyone who doesn't know, that was uh, covered by Destiny's Child. So, so uh, if you're not familiar with the Bee Gees version, just imagine <laughs> Destiny's Child in the background as some guy with a pair of knickers on his head um, suggests comparing cock sizes and then tries to punch someone. But then, you know, obviously, and they're very straight, very masculine. Uh, Tony gives one of the gayest insults I've ever heard. He tells him that he's nothing but a working class bum in Gucci shoes. Yeah. Oh, bitch. <laughs> that's like uh, Legally Blonde, where he's in last year's Prada. <laughs> I thought uh, Joan Collins was meant to be the bitch. She's probably at least bitchy as well. She's a bit bitchy. Um, uh, She's more a bitch in this film than she is in the film where she's titled The I know, Bitch. yeah. Spoiler. Um, ben introduces his daughter, Alex, to Tony. And they all sit around the table. And guess what they do? They talk more shit about business than fuck knows what. Oh, don't. And Alex looks very young. I think she's meant to be 16. She is meant wow. to be 16. And, and her and Tony are uh, giving each other the eyes. Yeah. Yeah, they have a moment, don't they? Um, Fontaine... <laughs> And Vanessa are having a bitch about Alex and her father in the toilets whilst Alex is listening. Not Alex, Alex's friend. Was it Alex's friend? Yeah. I thought it was Alex. No, it's Alex's friend. Um, so Alex's friend is in one of the cubicles and uh, it's tale as old as time, isn't it? Um, two people having a good old bitch uh, at the mirror and they're overheard by someone who has a yes. vested interest in what they're bitching about. Yeah. Um, Fontaine informs Vanessa that Ben gets his cock sucked once a month 
always in the dark, never in the lift. <laughs> why has that made sound like it's such a, a common thing to get it off in the lift? Yeah. Why? <laughs> also, I'm not sure how how many floors that place had to to warrant a lift. I know. Yeah. Um. But okay. Um. Some guy who specialises in diseases asks Alex's friend to dance with him. Yeah, this was another weird thing. Like, is he the super posh guy that's yeah. always looking for her, but she's never there? Uh-huh. It's like a running joke. Um, ben and Fontaine say their goodbyes. They're off as Native New Yorker by Odyssey plays. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Alex's friend tells Alex and Peter about the guy who specialises in diseases. Um, and, Ale- and, and Alex's friend reveals that she wants to be a crumpet. She doesn't want to be something else. I didn't get any of it written down, but she wants to be a crumpet. Don't we all? Um, Peter, <laughs> acts, me hungry. Peter acts all weird after Alex kisses him in the car. Yeah, and also I'm not sure where this goes either. I thought he was going to come out as gay, but no, apparently not. Uh, I think the idea is that because they're not even engaged yet, he won't um, take her to bed. Yeah. Oh, okay. So he's being a a gentleman. Uh, Alex goes into her house to find her friend watching a video of Fontaine and Tony in the lift. Yeah. Alex decides that this means she should sleep with Tony herself. I'm not where, not sure where this logic's come from. <laughs> um, but, yeah, she's horrified, but she decides that this means um, she has to test out Tony or yeah. something. Yeah, it'll annoy Fontaine, apparently. She decides to put on a skimpier dress and returns to the club. The club at Hobo, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. She returns to Hobo. <laughs> Not for long, though. And we get a an extremely wooden exchange between her and Tony that ends with her asking him to take her to his place. <laughs> as soon as she gets there. As soon. And like, no, she doesn't even have a drink. Not even, <laughs> not even a single gene tea. Um, so they get to his, and he has no electric. Yeah. Because he ain't been paying those bills. Um, we then get a, a very corny... Badly lit sex scene. <laughs> now, I understand that there's no electric. Um, yeah, I was going to say, this is an excuse for something you'd usually rant about. Yeah, um, but it's extremely poorly lit. Um, yeah, it's just a bit, a bit and cheesy, really. cheesy slow-down disco. It is, place. yeah. Uh, then we get Alex and Tony lying in bed. She asks him if he finds Fontaine attractive. But he says he would pick Alex twice if he had to. <laughs> uh, Tony tells uh, her... Ooh. Oh, God, yeah. The, now, this is a bit weird. So, they've had a one-night stand. Uh, is he driving off or she driving off? I, I can't remember. But he's, uh, he's saying that he thinks he loves her and shit. Yeah. Um, it's well weird. He's... He's not a good dude, is he? No, it's, I mean, let's let's remember, Alex is 16. It's all a little fucking weird. It is. Um, I, I'm going to assume the actress who played her was older. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, yeah it's, it is a bit iffy. Yeah, then we get Tony soup shopping with his pals, talking absolute shit again. Um, I, d- I didn't get anything down well, from this scene. They were just talking Apparently, uh, to Tony's friends, this is a disaster that he's in love 
Uh, Cupid is up Tony's ass, and Tony's glad that he's in love and is tired of putting it in everything that winks at him. Oh. Where's this change of... See, this is the weird part. Like, the film tries to have some character development with Tony. Um, So the idea is that he's burning the candle at both ends. He can't afford to pay his electric bills. Mm -hmm. He's, you know, shagging anything that comes along. He's being played by Fontaine. Okay, I get it. But the film doesn't actually deal with it very much. What we instead get is just them talking shit for half the film. Um, Some sex scenes and some... Um, disco sequences. Yeah. So I feel like the film's trying to say something, but it doesn't actually really say it. Yeah, we get more disco dancing to Native New Yorker. We get Native New Yorker again. There's a group of Wendy girls. Wendy Williams would be proud. <laughs> There's a group of girls dancing with one guy. Um, he's like an accessory. Like. <laughs> oh, but then some of them, like when he goes on to the next girl, some of them are like looking jealous. Like, oh my god. <laughs> He's gone with her. And then what they end up doing at the end, and this is probably my favourite dance sequence, but they all end up like linking arms and doing like a, <laughs> like a rotating sort of spin. And it's great. Yeah, you, you thought Killer Barbies versus Dracula had the whole uh, Senior Morgan uh, hen night thing. This is more like a hen night. This than is that. more like a hen night. Um, car wash is now playing with yes. more disco dancing. Okay. From native New Yorker to car wash. Uh, Tony has a very intimate moment discussing business plans of a friend uh, to the point it looked like they were going to kiss. Yeah, they weren't at the urinal this time. No. Um, but uh, yeah, it's agreed that they'll finish the deal after the new year. Yeah. Um, so then we get Tony and Fontaine in Paris. Um, kind of. Well, Fontaine's in the car at first, and she's wearing yeah. a fur coat and see-through underwear. She is, yes. So she's she's. I'm not. A, well, I'm not a um a fan of fur. Um, I'm. I'm let's pretend it's faux fur. <laughs> um, but she's serving in some fur, in the back of the cab or, or the limo or whatnot. Uh, she opens her coat, and she's just there in her knickers and a sheer bra. Yeah. You see right through it. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and they get it on in the back of the... Yeah. But then they go to the bathhouse. Uh, bathhouse? I mean, that's what I thought it was when I saw it straight away. Swimming pool, should we say. Yeah. Slightly well, less yeah, sophisticated. Um, and she introduces him to the pirates. Now, in a bizarre series of events, uh, this entire sequence... It's all, it all goes um, a little crazy from now. Yeah, a parrot swings towards the screen and shouts... Bonjour! Yeah. <laughs> so we know we're in Paris. Um, at the dinner table, Tony is uh, drawled over by a, a lecherous old gay guy and he leaves the table. <laughs> well, he did. So at the table... You mean French Leslie Jordan? French Leslie Jordan. He was de- definitely giving me Leslie Jordan. Um, he leaves the table with Leonard... Um, and and I, I had Leonard down as another lecherous gay guy, um, but uh, Leonard's just a trifle gay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so at the pool, so, so, okay, let's get this straight. So Leonard's showing Tony round and they end up at the pool. At the pool, there's two random blonde women 
Uh, skinny dipping. Um, Tony asks, who are they? Leonard has no idea. They're just two. <laughs> I mean, do we ever see them again? Uh, possibly. Um, they all kind of look the same. Yeah, but they're there and underneath some form of a fountain. And Leonard decides that he's going to uh, go skinny dipping too. So he takes all his clothes off. Uh, Fontaine and Vanessa are in the pool waiting. And they're having a, a cigarette and a bitch. Uh, Vanessa gets on... <laughs> Vanessa gets on... Oh no, it's not Vanessa. Fontaine gets on a very large swing in just her knickers. Uh, not even that. Oh, I thought she was no, wearing she's knickers. fully nude. Okay, so Bush, Bush is definitely back in office because I thought she had her knickers on. <laughs> uh, her and Vanessa then decide to push Tony into the pool as Vanessa finally gets her Christmas present. Yeah. Uh, Fontaine and Leonard go at it as well, um, including on the, this giant swing. Mm-hmm. Um, so this this is pretty much the iconic scene of the film, yeah. isn't it? This is the, the the selling point is Joan Collins and uh, shagging on this giant swing, and it's going it's going over the pool, but it's going back and forth. I'm assuming it wasn't already at the women's house bar. Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't giant know. Swing. I don't know why it would be. Um, Tony and some girl reenact the dolphin-style sex scene from Showgirls. Yeah, so I've got down... It's all very unsexy with weird close-ups of their faces <laughs> and pool thrashing. It, this is absolute. This walked so Showgirls could run. Yeah, it absolutely. is... Absolutely. It's not pleasant at no. all. Um, I know we're making it sound really sexy, but it's, it's not. <laughs> um, some... Uh, the French Leslie Jordan starts giving Tony a blowjob. Um, that's Leonard. Was that Leonard? That's Leonard. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. So when they call it an orgy, there's only the four of them. <laughs> that's, the, that's the way it was like, does four people an orgy <laughs> make? I don't know. I'm, I'm no expert. Um, if anyone would like to let us know how many people an orgy makes. Um, but yeah, so so what the idea is, something we've missed a little bit, to, just to help, um, is that Leonard's been given these uppers, hasn't he? Uppers. Appers. Appers. No, Tony has. So Tony's been giving these appers. So he's a little out of it. Um, so he's by the side of the pool and um, sort of coming to, he's, he's not really aware of his surroundings, but then realises that Leonard's given him a, a blowy <laughs> on the side of the pool. Um, of course, because he's the most masculine man in all of masculine town, uh, he's horrified and flees the pool <laughs> with his ass hanging out. And when he escapes the pool, the parrot screams at the camera again. Yeah. Like, ah! <laughs> the parrot is the best actor in the entire film. Showed the most emotion. Uh, best line delivery. Yes, it's true. Uh, <laughs> uh, so Ben is at home. And he's st- Ben is uh, Fontaine's husband, because um, he's barely been in the fucking thing, so if you forgot <laughs> who Ben was. Ben is Fontaine's husband, and he's at home, and he stumbles upon the CCTV tape. He makes a call, and kind of cries a little bit. It's hard to tell, the acting <laughs> wasn't great. Um, but I think he cries. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, he just looks a little uncomfortable. Um, so Fontaine wakes Tony up. And he's not best pleased with the previous night's antics. No. She tells him Vanessa was disappointed with his performance. And she's going to go a, a bit more upmarket from now on. 
Uh, he asks, he asks her how he's going to get home. <laughs> and she tells him, fuck yourself, darling. You could do with the practice. <laughs> so apparently the stud ain't so studly. No. As we're led to believe. This leads to him driving badly for a very long time. So apparently he does fuck himself um, <laughs> because he's he's home now. He's back in back in the UK. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't know how he got back. Yeah, he, he did. He goes to see Alex at the mansion. Yes. Um, even though I swear earlier on the film she said it was a cottage. Um, she he goes to the mansion. Uh, Tony asks two old men for a whiskey and coke. And they look at him like he's just shat on their mothers. I know, that's so weird. Like, oh, whiskey and coke. Oh, my God. Oh, fuck off. Piece of shit. I guess, essentially, they're horrified that he'd want a whiskey and coke. Yeah. You'd think... You'd genuinely think he'd just ask for a fucking shot of absinthe. But like, the thing is, again, they're trying to bring up this whole thing of him being working class. Um, which is fine, but... Um, you say it, but do something with it. Yeah. You know? We get a close-up of his crotch whilst two French girls stare at it. Well, that's Alex and her friends. What? Why were they talking French? Are you okay? Were you on uppers Why would we they, this? Why were they talking French? Because they can talk shit about people without them knowing what they're saying. <laughs> it's not fucking necessary. So, they're at the... Now, I was a little... I, I got a little bit at the end before they started laughing, but it's Alex and her friend, and they're talking about Tony in French. We don't get any subtitles. Um, but at the end, they say something to do, uh, like, Chevette, which I think means, like, child or something. So I don't really know what they're saying. Um, I'm assuming it's from what we get next is it's about sort of Tony's prowess in bed. Yeah. <laughs> Not being so great because that's the narrative we're doing now. Um, but just to emphasise that they're talking about his dick, we get a close-up of his crotch. <laughs> but it's like, it's so it's weird. It's very unflattering. It's very unflattering, but it's, it's such a weird angle, I couldn't tell if it was the front or the back. <laughs> and like, it's like, it's arse. What's it's talking really about? It's really flat. <laughs> it, it, you it, think they'd put a little more effort into it? What, stuffed it with some socks yeah. or something? But yeah, so we get a nice close-up of his crotch to finish the scene as they start laughing. Yeah, he tries it on with Alex um, on the night time. Um, yes. He's never tr- felt this way about a chick before. Yeah, trying it on means going to a room and ripping over her top while she's trying to sleep. Like, seriously, yeah. it's, it's, it, there's some real iffy moments in the yeah. film. It's so very late 70s. She does not take kindly to this or being called a chick. So she's like, are you fucking serious? Get the fuck out of my cottage mansion now. She's absolutely fuming. She reads into filth about shagging Fontaine and breaking her father's heart. And yeah, she tells him to fuck off. It was a one night stand. Get a hot grip. You know, this ain't love. And yeah, so he's sent packing at the cottage mansion. He is. Uh, Fontaine returns home and Rupert Scott, Ben's lawyer... Is waiting for her to give her divorce papers. Yeah, he hands her the videotape and she uh, holds it like a baby and cries on the floor. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Tony is back with his mum and dad at their house for Christmas. Yeah. And um, 
This this is a long scene that really doesn't go anywhere. It's like uh, they decided, okay, right, we've got ten minutes left. Come on, Paddy. Shall we try and uh, squeeze in a plot? Yeah. Um, so he he calls for Alex, but he's told that she's not there, even though she is. Um, then he goes to a payphone to call his friend about their business deal. Um, he doesn't get an answer. No, he calls once whilst in the house, doesn't get an answer. Mm-hmm. Then calls from the payphone, doesn't get an answer. Calls up another friend, I'm assuming from earlier. Um, they kind of look the same as friends. Yeah. It's, it's difficult. Um, so he meets up with him and they talk shit about women. He blames his current position on his humble upbringing <laughs> and not his decision to shag his wife's boss. <laughs> Um, so yeah, he's kind of, he's kind of putting all the blame on people treating him different because he wasn't rich or wasn't raised rich and he's working class and it's like, no, you're shagging your boss's wife (laughs) and it's all come out and people are angry at you with it and justifiably angry at you with it. Um, so I really don't understand what the, the film's trying to do now. Um, but it's New Year's. Yeah, so there's it? decorations and hats. Uh, let's go disco. Let's go disco. <laughs> yeah. Um, and literally at Hobo, all the ladies are after Tony, and literally all the ladies. There's a really strange shot of him being surrounded by these women, and it's as if they kind of lift him into the ceiling like it's the camera on the ceiling <laughs> lifted into the shot it looks so weird um all these obviously because that's how women are all after the stud of a man um, yeah scratching and clawing to get to him apart from fontaine who tells him not to be there tomorrow because she's looking for a new manager means he's going into his own business which business is this? This is the business. This is urinal business. So <laughs> she's fuming that he's going to try and open his own club. So she gives him the sack. Yeah, the DJ tells Tony how beautiful life is, uh, whilst the song plays about having a fire down below. Yeah, fire down below that keeps me warm and makes me glow. But there's there's a a, a shot where he's so all his sort of previous conquests in the film. Um, like Molly and Felicity, uh, apart from Alex and, and Fontaine, uh, but the women he's been with, they sort of kiss him and then they go on to the next one and kiss him. And, um, it's quite a fairly long shot of this, this happening. And I just, I just like, what are you trying to do? What are you trying to, what are you trying to, you know, what? All his past conquests coming back to haunt him. I'm like, are you serious? Let's not start, you know, trying to make this, uh, this, um, proper now, you know? Yeah. Well, just when you think it's trying to be proper, they introduce a fully nude guy with his ass up close to the camera. Yes. Telling everyone it's five minutes until midnight. (laughs) This leads to more toilet business with Tony. Uh, where he pisses on someone and starts a fight whilst that's the way I like it plays. Yeah, yeah. So his business part's not going through with it, is it? No. Is he? Uh, obviously, it's urinal business again. He calls the guy a cocksucker. Uh, does he piss on him? He does. And then tries to beat him up, but he stopped and beaten up himself, as that's the way I like it plays in the background. Yeah. Uh, Tony fights through the crowd as the countdown to New Year's goes on, 
and he exits Hobo at New Year, dead on New Year. Yeah. Seemingly relieved to be free of everyone. How symbolic. Yes, how symbolic, yes. Yeah. yeah, why are we going for symbolism right at the end? Why are we trying to do something with it when really everything else has just been chatting shit and boobs? Um, then the Stud song plays as everyone celebrates New Year's and the credits roll. Yeah, that's the Stud. That's the Stud. And, and what's really bizarre is, I mean, obviously, you know, we've just described to you very weird very sleazy series of events. Um, the entire film is really well shot. Like, there are some great cinematography in the disco scenes. Uh, even the orgy scene, as unsexy as it is, is really well shot. The soundtrack's phenomenal. But then, you know, you've got all this nice exterior and then just trash underneath. Yeah, it's it's camp. Um... For now, I don't. I don't think it was meant to be camp. Um, I don't think camp is something that you you sort of set out to do, necessarily. Uh, but it's so ridiculous, mm. and to see you know someone like Joan Collins, who isn't in the film probably as much as I would have hoped. Uh, we obviously get more of her in the sequel, um, but just to see her line delivery. And her wear these fabulous costumes and act, you know, as a 40-plus woman, act sexy and, you know, be sexy is really quite refreshing to see, you know. Um, it, cynical to say, but, you know, the selling point is, look at this Hollywood star, she gets her, her baps out on yeah. screen. You know, that is really the selling point. Um, but from, you know, my perspective, um, I think it's fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I mean, there's, there's I mean, no, serves. you know, there's no plot. It's, no, yeah, it's, it's all a bit messy. The, the scenes where they're talking business are fucking boring, but you know, it's, it's worth watching for everything else. I mean, where else are you going to watch a film where a parrot screams bonjour at the fucking camera yeah. followed by an orgy? <laughs> Yeah. If if you like Showgirls, absolutely watch The Stud. Like I said before, The Stud walked so Showgirls could run. Well, I said that, but thank you for stealing I that said me. that. <laughs> Those exact words I said at this Saturday episode. <laughs> but it's fine. I'm I'm obviously an inspiration. Didn't, clearly I wasn't um, listening. So, yes. Uh, the Stud is available on Blu-ray now alongside The Bitch. Released in 1979 and directed by Jerry O'Hara, who also made The Pleasure Girls, Amsterdam Affair, Feelings, <laughs> Professor Popper's Problem, Fanny Hill, The Mummy Lives, and much more. Fanny Hill? Fanny Hill and <laughs> Professor Popper's Problem. Excuse me. <laughs> I wonder sounds, what his problem sounds was. Sounds interesting. It was made on a budget of £450,000. Low, it's lower than the Very low. Uh, first film, uh, but it made £7.5 million at the box office, so... Another success. Yeah, um, I mean, content-wise, not so successful. Um, we've got no. a short amount of trivia for this one. Uh, the movie watched by Fontaine and Nico on the flight to London is Disturbed. 
Yes. <laughs> because why... It's a really random scene as well. <laughs> why pay out the rights for another film where you can use your own? Exactly. Um, it's the uncredited theatrical movie debut of Bill Nighy. He plays the flower delivery boy. I didn't get that. I suppose watching it back, I'd be like, yeah, of course. But I didn't notice him. It's the uh, credited theatrical movie debut of Peter Wright, who plays Ricky. Uh, I assume he's been in a lot of other things. It's <laughs> a big deal. For it to be trivia, Amos. <laughs> and it's the uh, the movie that inspired Aaron Spelling to cast Collins as Alexis Carrington in Dynasty. Yes. Yes. Why? <laughs> A performance is just as lifeless as this as it was in the other film. I wouldn't, I don't know. I mean, yeah, uh, maybe not lifeless. One note, should we say. It's, yeah. It's one note. Well, let's, I mean, we might get some hate mail from this one. Um, but Dynasty isn't really top tier Oscar bait, is it? I've never seen it, so. Um, I've shown you clips. Have you? Yeah. Okay. Um, it's essentially... It's obviously her, not memorable then, is it? But her role in Dynasty, and Dynasty made her a fucking star, more mm. than any of her Hollywood uh, films did. Um, you know, she was a house... She became a real household name, uh, both sides of the Atlantic, well, across the world, really, uh, because of her role as Alexis Carrington. But at the end of the day, her role as Alexis was essentially being bitchy, uh, wearing absolutely fabulous outfits and uh, reading people to filth and scheming. Um, me and so Gary we're still been... in the bitch. <laughs> yeah, so there's the, you can kind of see a little bit of Alexis in the Fontaine character. Yeah. Uh, obviously, she keeps her clothes on in Dynasty because it's uh, primetime television. Um, but, you know, me and Gary have been watching Ugly Betty recently. And um, Alexis Carrington was absolutely the precursor to the Wilhelmina Slater style character. Always scheming, um, always trying to get some money in her bank accounts and uh, looking absolutely fabulous whilst doing it. But for a film where she's not scheming, a film where she's not a bitch in the slightest, it's so the weird. bitch. Yeah, <laughs> it's so weird. Um, the film's called The Bitch. And she's not. <laughs> Although, in fairness, the first film was called The Stud. And his prowess in the sack was read <laughs> to filth a few times. Yeah. So, potentially, they're ironic titles. Um, but, yeah, she's, she's actually our lovable lead in the bitch. Yeah. Um, so, getting into the owner of a trendy disco <laughs> starts having problems with the men in her life. And the Mafia, uh, which is trying to move in on her place. Okay, so this is a film where there is slightly more of a plot. That is not the plot. <laughs> no. No, not really. Uh, there is more of a plot. Um, there's also fancy helicopter shots to open the film. Yes. Um, now, if it was ever a time to hear Native New Yorker, it would have been during this shot. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's not. Uh, but we get a hel helicopter over New York. Uh, there's a flower delivery for uh, Mrs. Fontaine. Yeah, by Palace, Bill Nye. By Bill Nye. So I don't think it was filmed in New York, this scene. <laughs> no, of course it wasn't. Um, she's, uh, you don't think it looks exactly like London? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, but we get yellow taxi cabs, don't we? So it's got to be New York. 
Um, she tells him to send them up as she is in bed with a gentleman friend. Um, his name's Paul. Yeah. Um, she must leave Paul in bed as she needs to catch a plane. The flowers are from Paul. Who yeah. is... is, is there's, there's a note saying, come back soon from Paul. Yeah. Bitch, you're literally in bed with her. Why the fuck can you just not bring them with you? Yeah, it's true. There's not online ordering. You didn't order it whilst you were in bed. This is the 70s. <laughs> there's some beautiful roses and she spreads them over the bed. But poor Paul lays back on them. Not gets uh, <laughs> a shock from the fawns. Uh, Fontaine has a slight sing-song in the shower until Paul joins her and gives her a round two in the shower. Yeah, for, for a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, the bitch walked so uh, dressed to kill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's a very, very unsexy uh, overhead shot of them shagging in the shower. Um, and then we get the opening credits <laughs> where we're informed that Joan Collins is the bitch. Yes, uh, we get a, a fabulous black and white photo of Joe Collins <laughs> putting on her makeup as the credits roll and the uh, title song plays. Yes, this one includes the lyrics, Bitch, aha, God help the guy who gets the bitch and no one is safe around the bitch. She's not fucking killing people. She's not, no. Now that I would pay good money to see. A film with Joan Collins go around uh, killing people. <laughs> well, she ain't dead yet. Then we get Fontaine at the airport desk. Uh, she's on her way back from New York. Uh, she gets the eye from uh, a meaty moustache. Yes, he knew it was going to be on the Horror Court Trash Over podcast, so he came prepared. Uh, uh, the moustache is doing some sort of business or dirty dealings with a couple. Yeah. Um, they don't really play much of a no. role in the... I don't know, they're just talking shit. Um, he asks if he can be seated next to Fontaine uh, on the plane, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, the, the woman says, yeah, of course, of course you can. And you just... Creep, you creepy bastard. <laughs> you can sit next to this person you've never met before in your life. And just in case you didn't get enough of it in the stud, he tries chatting her up by talking business. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, his name's Nico. And they have a slight flirt, don't they, yeah. to begin with. Uh, but then they start talking business and how she's, you know, a businesswoman uh, and such. Um, they start, they watch the film on the flight. Yeah, they watch the stud. They, it's just the stud, but they're not particularly interested, actually. Well, Nico can't decide if it's supposed to be funny or not. Yeah. Well, same girl, same. So, we've, all, we've all been saying the same thing. But the scene they're watching is literally just like... Alex and her family going to dinner. <laughs> like, what? Of all the scenes. Um, I put, it's clearly shit, so they just go to the bar for a game of backgammon. Yeah. So, okay, this is really weird. So this is like a... a I know they're first class, but, you know, this, they're on a plane, and there's like an upstairs bit. They, like, go up the stairs, and there's some random drunk guy... And they're helping themselves to a drink at the bar and then start playing a game of backgammon. Yeah. Um, Nico plants a ring in Fontaine's coat when she's asleep. Yes, yes. And then we're introduced to Polly, uh, who looks like Deirdre Barlow and Sally Webster's love child from Carnage Street. She is, I have to say, she's absolutely serving. She's given me everything I need. Big glasses, 
Um, she's a very tall, slender, model-esque. Um, yeah, I'm loving it. She's got a, a, a real cropped haircut. Yeah. And uh, she introduces Fontaine to her new driver, Ricky. And then when they get into uh, the limo, Denis by Blondie is playing because this film also has a banging soundtrack. Yes. Well, the, the so Nico's put the ring in Fontaine's coat. Yeah. Uh, but Fontaine having a UK passport um, and being a, a fabulous all-round diva gets through passport control much quicker than Nico because yeah. Nico's uh, Greek. Um, so his Italian. Pass- Italian. Mm-hmm. Italian? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, she, co- she calls him cheap in Italian. Oh, the she d- oh. Nico's a Greek name. Um, anyway. Um, so, yeah. So she gets through a lot quicker. So he was flirting. He was suggested a drink. But she ends up just going with Polly anyway. So she's left with his ring in her coat. Yeah. He is not having the best of times. We are because Denis by Blondie's playing in the roles. Yeah. Polly informs Fontaine that a trendy disco is dying. Um, the club is dying, darling. Yeah. Uh, they go to the trendy disco and uh, just, of course, because it's a sequel to The Stood, they just talk shit whilst people dance. Yeah. And it is a quiet night. Uh, we get Nico checking into his hotel. Uh, he's planning for a night out on the town. Uh, Fontaine decides to join them on the dance floor. Yeah, there's a guy doing a really interesting dance, isn't there? Yeah, there is. <laughs> there is. <laughs> he's, like, holding his hand up in the air while staring at it. And she's like, darling, I don't know what you're on. Yeah, it's true. She then decides that she's going to take a look at the accounts. As Leo says, you make me feel like dancing <laughs> plays in the background. Uh, a guy d- <laughs> she's absolutely fuming and decides to leave because the accounts are shocking uh, yeah and there's a guy dancing and you have to really look carefully for this guy and he is something else uh, you know whereas the pirate stole the show in the last film this guy steals the show in this film he does a spin a few spins actually and then he just launches into this dance that only could be described as a rip off of the Crispin Glover dance from Friday the 13th Part 4. Rip-off. Well, I mean, Precursed Crispin Glover. Yeah. yeah. He obviously took the dance from this film. He looked um, a bitch. But it says it in all Yeah, his, his dancing is bizarre. But it's a really bizarre shot as well. So she's at this bar and uh, Fontaine is. And she's fuming about the accounts and she leaves. And the camera stays there. And what we're seeing is a reflection of this guy doing his Crispin Glover dance. Yeah. Um, I'm like, are you trying to be artistic, or why are we getting this in a reflection? Yeah, but both of these films are, they, they they really, they're shooting these films like they're making serious films. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't, <laughs> it, it contradicts what's within the film itself. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, which, which makes it even better, because that means that they thought they were making a serious film. Yeah. Yes, which um, just only adds to uh, the camp. Um, so, Nico hits the casino. <laughs> what song plays whenever we go to the casino? Oh, my God. A song about feeling lucky. <laughs> I don't Lucky. Not not the great Donna Summer lucky. 
Um, not the Britney Spears lucky. No. <laughs> uh, no, not the Britney Spears lucky. But some random song like Feeling Lucky Tonight. I tried to Shazam it and even Shazam didn't know what the fuck it was. No. Um, but it plays every time he's at the casino. Every time. <laughs> because the soundtrack loves to tell us what's going on. <laughs> Uh, Ricky drives for uh, yeah, absolutely nothing happens in that scene. No, he's just at the casino. He he has a little. Uh, doesn't he get the eye from some random woman? Yeah, yeah, that's about it. Ricky drives Fontaine home, uh, and they have a boring chat about tea and gardens. <laughs> and then, just in case you're falling asleep, um, they decide to wake you up with a bit of sexual tension. Uh, Ricky can't imagine Fontaine being into gardening. He thought she'd be into going to the hairdressers, shopping, and nightclubs. Fontaine wants to know if you can imagine her in a sack, in the hay, fucking like rattlesnakes. And then she asks him if he likes to fuck. She does. She leaves the room and returns in fur, uh, wearing a fur uh, coat and his driver's cap. Um, She takes off the the coat and she's wearing just a corset underneath. So this is is the image from the poster, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, so it's her in a black and red corset with a driver's cap on. Um, she's serving. I mean, it's not the best look in the <laughs> film, um, but she's serving. She's serving. Um, she's put his hat on, hasn't she? Yes, yes. To seduce him. And uh, Ricky wants to know if he'll get the tin tag after this. The sack, the back of the pack. Yeah, yeah. So, so he grabs the tea that she's made with the biscuits um, she says, did Polly audition you personally? He says, I gave her a ride around the block. <laughs> so, which Fontaine says, not too hard, I hope. <laughs> not too fast. Not too fast. And, and also before this, she tells him that he's not Whatever. getting the sack. He's not getting the sack. He's getting a rise. <laughs> so Fontaine gets a tits out for Ricky um, whilst Nico goes for a walk. And the next day, Fontaine... Gets her ass out. She sneaks out of bed. And uh, Ricky asks her if she would like him to scrub her back while she's in the bath. Uh, but she directs him to the guest bathroom and tells him to get back to work. It's just... And there's this weird little subplot where he's like really pissed off about this. But yeah. it goes nowhere. Yeah, and she's not particularly bitchy about it. She's like, no, just get on with your work. We had a shag, it's fine. <laughs> Um, so Nico gets a call from John Ratzenberger from uh, TV's Cheers. <laughs> um, if anyone, he also is the guy who's done voices for every single Pixar film. So he's Ham in um, Toy Story. Um, so it's really weird seeing and hearing him in this film. <laughs> um, yeah, so he gets a call. Uh, so Nico gets a call from him. And they agree to meet up. Um, Nico explains to John... I've, I've only got him down as John Ratzenberger because I find it so weird that he's in this film. Um, so Nico tells him that he's lost a diamond ring that he needs to pay off the mafia with. Uh, Ratzenberger knows Fontaine Khaled, but Nico is too old for her. <laughs> Apparently she's well known for being a cradle snatcher. Apparently. When the fuck has this been a thing? Exactly. Um... She was the only person in the other film not trying to get off with someone younger than her. Uh, Ratzenberger explains about a friend that couldn't get it up. And uh, Fontaine just got rid of him. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently. Um, it's so weird hearing the voice of Ham <laughs> doing this sort of dialogue. 
Uh, Fontaine's fuming that Arnold, her advisor, only brings her bad news. Uh, she's pawning off her watch as well. Uh, and she explains that some would-be Travolta stomped on it at Club 54. <laughs> it's in very good condition considering. Well, she's told that she has millionaire taste, but she's not with her millionaire ex anymore. No. And that Hobo is losing money. Yeah. Um, Hal um, Ham, should we say, takes Nico and two girls to a club. That's a little bit on the gay side, but that's fine because apparently gay is in. Yeah, so they go Hobo first, don't they? And this is where we get the awful gay dancing. Um, so they, they go to this uh, gay bar. I think it's called Trifle. Um, <laughs> of course it is. No, I'm joking. Uh, so Fontaine is there too with Vanessa and Leonard. Yeah. And uh, uh, who who is it that asks for it? It's uh, Fontaine's another friend that I never really caught his name. <laughs> oh, uh, um, her gay friend. I, I think so. I'm yeah, not sure. I'm, I'm not sure. Oh, Terry, Terry. Terry. So Terry asks one of the uh, waiters um, who I think is a, kind of in half drag. Um, face full dressed of as Sally Webster. Dressed, yeah, not... He's not dressed very fabulously, but he's got a face full of makeup. Um, Terry asks for drinks for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> to which he gets. I've only got one pair of legs, darling. <laughs> <laughs> I've got down blend, and I've just realised why I put blend. Um, that makeup is awful and really terribly unblended. Yeah. Uh, it looks like, um, you know, Marge Simpson, <laughs> when Homer uh, invents a uh, makeup shotgun, <laughs> she gets shot in the face. <laughs> it's like, blend, bitch. <laughs> yeah. Um, again, the, I can't stress enough the dancing in this scene. If you ever watch this film, this is not how gay people dance. I, I don't know what the fuck they're doing. He's, yeah, it's really <laughs> I fair, feel when clubs reopen, we'll have not danced in a nightclub for so long. This is probably what it will look like. I feel like in a few of these scenes that the people dancing, the music wasn't actually playing. No, because I think it would interfere with the soundtrack. Um, so potentially they're not dancing to anything, <laughs> and I think that's why it comes off as really weird <laughs> and sometimes doesn't actually match the the song that's playing. Um, so Leonard's window shopping, isn't he? Because he's yeah. a trifle gay. Oh yeah, Vanessa and Leonard are back. Everyone's favourite swingers couple. Uh, yeah, I said that. Uh, Fontaine is uh, checking out the competition. That's why she's there. And they decide that they're going to move on to another club. Yeah, Leonard's given up the drink, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. Um, I don't know he, why. He's, che- he's checking out guys, but he's only window shopping. He's not by. Were you in the last film, Vanessa? Yeah. <laughs> He's a trifle gay. Yes. Yeah, I'm sorry. Did you not like me talking about Leonard like that? No, you just repeated what I said. Did you say that? Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, yeah. I, I do apologise. <laughs> anyway, I hope you're, I hope you're still listening. I don't do... Well, let's face it, we're not talking about a very interesting film, are we? We're not, no. I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult. Um, we're trying to get some comedy out of this, but <laughs> it's, it's really hard. So, um... <laughs> Oh, shit. We get Joan Collins throwing some shapes to Cuba yes. by the Gibson brothers. 
Um, she's 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 all right again. I don't I don't think she knew what song she was dancing to, so she just danced. Um, Nico wants to stay over, but she turns him down. Yeah. Um, she also turns down her driver. Nico calls Fontaine. Nico, have you ever played backgammon in bed? <laughs> we then cut to a badly lit, rather tepid sex scene. So that whole she her turning him down mm -hmm. completely pointless. Yeah, because they end up in bed together. Nico does not want his ass shown at all. No. Like they they really badly place a blanket over his ass. Yeah, it looks like it's sellotaped on. So these these films are essentially you know soft core. Uh, really, mm. I mean, I wouldn't call them porn. Sexploitation. Sexploitation, yes, yes. Um, but only for women. Yeah. You get a man's ass, you know. Considering the first film's called The Stud, um, you only really get female nudity apart from some asses. Uh, in this one, you know, you do, it's all just female nudity. So the whole idea of pushing boundaries... Yeah. Um, the whole idea of making a, um, you know, mainstream sexploitation film with, you know, a famous actress. Um, that's all well and good, but it's it's only the women that are put into these sort of positions. Yeah. Um, it's only the, the, the women that do full nudity. Um, in, in the first one, I mean... The only male nudity you got was a comic relief, a couple of times, mm -hmm. and that was it. So it's 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 it all comes across maybe a little seedy, uh, a little um, exploitative, which I suppose that's, that's the point. Exploitation yeah. comes from, um, but yeah. Uh, Fontaine caught, catches Nico taking the ring from her coat the next day. Excuse me. <laughs> she seems to think it's priceless and gives it back to him. Uh, to which he's really happy to see a breakfast. And my God, a feast! A real English breakfast! <laughs> Didn't even look like it. I don't no. know what was on there. <laughs> I don't mean, it wasn't a full English fry-up. Uh, and then he just admits what he did with the ring. And Fontaine takes his breakfast and kicks him out. And says, you just take your cheap Italian ass and hustle it somewhere else. Yeah. I, don't, I really got confused about this ring. So, he didn't seem too bothered about the ring not being real. Or he suggested that she did the swap with the ring, but that's never really fully dealt with. No, I think it's, it's very much a case of bad acting. Um, yeah. I think he probably was meant to be concerned. Um, yeah, because he, he's informed that it's a copy and made of glass. Uh, so he sends it back to Fontaine and informs her it's a fake. Um... He goes back to the casino and Lucky starts playing again. He does. Um, then he have some uh, art house cinema sex and the floating blankets. Oh my god! So yeah, so <laughs> Nico pulls a lady at the casino. So this is the one he had mild flirtations yeah. with before, uh, but we get more of an extended scene of them at the casino. Um, he takes her back to his hotel room, and this absolutely ridiculous sex scene of them underneath completely underneath these sheets <laughs> um it's giving me total eclipse of the heart the hunger the hunger <laughs> these sheets are flowing um it's very well lit as well for it's some so reason weird i mean 
At one point, when, when these sheets come off them, you could see the crew members just clearly just holding it <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, like, <laughs> flapping. Like, why are you trying to make this into an art house film? What are you doing? <laughs> this is a film called The Bitch. It's not fucking art house. But it's so random because the sex scene we had previous was so poorly lit. <laughs> You can't bloody see anything, and in this one, you can see everything. It's like, oh my god, it's like it's like the fucking light was next to them. It was so light, even though it's like dark, you know, nighttime. Mm. Um, the next day, she's being mysterious, so she puts on her tights, and she admits that she was sent by the mob to remind him he owes the money. Yeah. Apparently, that's how you remind someone the other mob money. Yeah, she tries to take his money and he says, Wait a minute, that's my bloody steak! <laughs> he turns Cockney for a second. Yes. Um, Nico... <laughs> he doesn't, but you did. <laughs> Nico, I've got it written down as bloody instead of bloody. That's exactly what he says. Um, Nico calls Fontaine. And, you know, Fontaine, who the last time they were seen together, she was fucking fuming. Fuming. She had had it. He tried to smuggle an illegal uh, piece of jewellery. Yeah. You know, he nearly got in trouble with the mafia. Mm-hmm. He calls her up and she's like, oh, yes, darling, come to a tea party with me. There'll be cucumber sandwiches and a fashion show. First of all, who the fuck eats cucumber sandwiches? That's disgusting. It's a thing. I That is weird. Yeah. So weird. Um, also... This tea party fashion show is... Uh, Didn't you eat crest sandwiches? Yeah, but that's a story for a different day. Um, it wasn't my choice. So, yeah, so she's perfectly fine with him now. And they go to this tea party fashion show uh, where people are just walking around with their tits out. Um, yeah, it's it's a fashion show, but it's essentially just women in bikinis yeah. walking around these people who are having drinks at tables. Um, one of them is... I don't... I really don't understand. Because she has, like, her bottom part. And then there's just a very thin... Two thin straps crossed over her chest. So her breasts are on show. Um, She's very happy. She keeps trying to make eye contact with the camera as well, I noticed. Um, But I'm just a bit like... What? It's just... Who would wear that? (laughs) <laughs> who who would go to the beach and wear that? Like, all the rest are in, like, bikinis, you know, proper yeah. bikinis. But it's such a random outfit. Just very thin strips across the... Uh, across her chest and shoulders, and that's it. Very yeah. Um, Sammy's there. Sammy's, Sammy's one of their friends. Uh, is it Sammy that runs the nightclub for one night? Oh, yeah. I've got confused between him and Leonard. I thought thought Sammy was from the first film as well, where he was one of um, Tony's friends. He may have been. But he's he's a bit desperate to take over the management of Hobo. Yeah. uh, To try and make it make money. Yeah, Fontaine gives him a chance to run his own club night. Yes. Uh, His club night's in full swing, and we know it's busier than the other nights because there's now a screen with fire on it and people dancing in front of it <laughs> yeah. there's the same amount of people on the dance floor as normal but there's this other screen there that people keep dancing in front of well the idea is that he's giving away free drinks that evening to yeah. get people there um yeah so it's jam jam packed <laughs> but these couple of dancers yeah dancing in front of a fire screen 
Uh, one of them's topless for some reason. Um, the mob try taking Nico from the casino, but he hits one of them and runs away. Or oh, action. Um, <laughs> they catch up, beat him up, and take him to a guy <laughs> whose name is Frush. <laughs> yes, his name is Frush. Very unfortunate name. Um, he's been itching to get hold of uh, Nico. Yeah, he, he's watching a slideshow of topless women. Yeah. <laughs> this is very... Do you think the maker of um, Friday the 13th Part 4... Oh, I think he's... Uh, right, he must have watched his entire film. Had like... watched this film. You've got Crispin Glover's dance. You've got the topless women um, slideshow yeah. with someone in front of uh, of it. As well. From this point onwards, the film just... You might as well just turn it off. It, it, it gets fucking boring now. Yeah. Um, Nico goes to Sammy's club night and gets invited to Vanessa and Leonard's party. And if you've seen The Stud, we know where this is going. <laughs> yeah. um, Nico and Fontaine have a slow dance to a fast song. Yeah, so so this is the the weird thing. So this thrush asks Nico, um, to to uh complete a job for him, which includes infiltrating Vanessa and Leonard's party. Leonard goes to Hobo, sees Vanessa straight away, and she says, "You coming to my party?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll come. Okay, great. See you there. Uh, so yeah, he has a slow dance with Fontaine to a fast song. We then cut to them post-sex. Yeah, he's telling her about his trouble with Thrush, isn't he? Yes. And um, so this is post-sex, but then Fontaine only just notices his bruises. He's got big, big bruises over his uh, yeah. body. But um, clearly she's too enthralled with the moment, uh, getting it on. She doesn't notice these. Yeah. Um, then we cut to them walking a dog. Yeah, he's brought her a dog uh, to protect her because she lives alone. But she's the bitch, you yeah, know? God help the, the man who gets the bitch. No one's safe around the bitch, apparently. So well, apparently not. Um, but they're having a lovely romantic yeah. walk with this dog. <laughs> I don't know how much time has passed throughout this film. No. Like, it's really well, random. Yeah, that really... Dog. The, the, dem- the demonstration of how they look at time in this film is really shown off in this next scene. Um, they go to the party. Uh, one of the guests arrives in a helicopter. Yes. Uh, the next minute... Everywhere's covered in snow. Everywhere's covered in snow. Like, literally, the next scene, there's not a bit of snow in sight. No. Blue skies, lovely weather, then everywhere's covered in snow. Snow. I, it, it genuinely felt like they'd skipped a big part of the film. Yeah. But, but it's so huh? weird because Vanessa and Leonard arrived on a helicopter. Yeah. And then literally straight away afterwards, you know, this is all the parties about to take place. It's snowy everywhere and they're playing a game of pol- uh, polo. Yeah. Uh, Vanessa and a jockey have a flirt over, and uh, Vanessa's jealous of the horse being ridden. <laughs> Some shit like that. Uh, guests are arriving as Fontaine walks the dog. Her accountant, wherever in Arnold. Was, Arnold. He shows up and gives her a lift, asking her questions about Nico. He tells her he can make an honest woman of her, <laughs> to which she replies... What does being married have to do with honesty? <laughs> it's party time now, isn't it? Yeah, and we get a 
budget version of the orgy scene from the previous yeah. film. So we get some naked and some fully dressed ladies jumping in the pool. Uh, Vanessa and her jockey find a couple of ladies. Um, well, I mean, they're getting it on, aren't yeah. they? In the sauna, these two ladies. He wa- he has to join in, but Vanessa wants him all to herself. Uh, Vanessa takes off her dress and she has rosettes over her nipples. She she asks if uh, <laughs> she asks if Sandy would like some bareback riding before the big race. <laughs> so yeah, Sandy the horse jockey. Um, oh, his name Sandy. Yeah, he, yeah. Name. She gets it on with him. Um, the yeah, the orgy's in full swing now. The bitch theme song plays over it. Uh, Nico makes out with two girls underwater. Uh, Fontaine decides to sit this orgy out. Leonard tries on with her and points out Nico with the two girls in the pool and she is not having it. She's absolutely fuming. We get these <laughs> underwater shots of the pool, don't we? Yeah. And we see, and it's like I said earlier, we, we see the two women and, you know, they're getting up close to the camera and they're having a swim. We see everything that they've got. Um, but it's like they're making a huge effort not to show Nico's knob. Yeah. Like, even though he's, like, naked, swimming underneath, and it must have been really fucking difficult for the actor to get into the right positions mm-hmm. for them not to see his dick. Um, but, yeah, they've gone to great lengths to uh, not show it. Uh, as the scene comes to an end, uh, Leonard asks a guy called Jamie a question, doesn't he? It's like, Jamie, you're going in? And Jamie said, no, I'm not. Yeah, what was that? <laughs> That's it. I'm pretty sure that dude's, the character's name wasn't Jamie either. That's so random. <laughs> no, I'm not. Oh, okay. That's it. End of scene. Yeah, that's it. From this point onwards, I honestly, I, it just falls into one big scene for me. Yeah, it does actually. Ridiculous. I mean, some of it I've got lots of pages. And it's just this I've just horse got racing. So for be- twenty minutes. Yeah. So before he leaves, Nico blackmails Sandy into throwing the next day's race. Um, so he blackmails him, said that he would, you know, tell his wife about uh, and his wife and his uh, father-in-law about his. Uh, sort of relationship with Vanessa. Uh, Fontaine overhears this and the next day speaks to Thrush to get a piece of the action. So clearly Thrush is asking uh, Nico to throw the race Mm -hmm. and and then obviously blackmailing Sandy in the process. Uh, We get a not at all thrilling race sequence. No. Which goes on for ages. Like seriously, it goes on for ages. Um, Sandy seemingly throws himself off the horse. Uh, Vanessa is devastated by this. Uh, everyone gets their money, especially Fontaine, who, oh, oh, who cashes in Nico's money because he asks her to cash it in for her with the bookie, but then gets her mon- her thrush money. <laughs> yeah, he does. She gets her thrush money too. And then Nico is uh, sent back to America by uh, Thrush's uh, people, isn't it? So he's sent yeah. back to America to deal with the mob there. So Fontaine has two payouts. Uh, and one of them's like 170000 wasn't it? So yeah. a big payout, especially for that, you know, 1979, you know, that's enough to save Hobo. Uh, Fontaine enters Hobo 
And Thrush is there telling people that he's the new boss. Yeah. To which Fontaine says, I can take care of him. And we end the film there. Yeah, there's some disco dancing to the bitch theme song before that point as well. There is. But yeah, that that that's the bitch. And that la- that third act is fucking painful so to sit really through. Is. So boring. I don't get how they'd go from being such a really, you know, such a camp film up until that point. And then it just, it's just fucking horse racing. Yeah, and just, I find, I mean, Fontaine didn't have the biggest character in the first film. She didn't have to do too much. Uh, but in this one, I just thought she flat. Yeah, and she's a total character. Flat. You know, it's meant to be her film, it's meant to be about it's her. It's meant to be the bitch. I, I just, I feel like for both films, um, less so for The Stud, but I found that the male-centric plot line was just incredibly boring. Yeah. Yeah, really incredibly boring. So yeah, so that's the stud and the bitch. What have we learnt from uh, watching these two Joan Collins exploitation trash to pieces? Um, I haven't learnt much. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't think. Gay was life... in in the seventies. Gay was in. That. I don't think any life lessons have been learnt. <laughs> um, what I have learnt is that you know. No, no, I'm not. No, no, <laughs> um, no, no, because I actually think Showgirls is a better film than both of these. Yeah. Um, but it, a fun, some fun can be had. It's the first silly, film. What, it's ridiculous. It's, you know, stupid. It's camp. Um, Joan Collins wears some fabulous outfits. I'll give her that. Um, like I said previously, the soundtracks are actually much better than the films. Yeah. Um, I'm actually tempted to get the stud soundtrack on vinyl. Um, yeah, it, it's absolutely a product of its time in many respects. Yeah. Um, what... Well, I don't know. Just sort of... What a best bits compilation. Yeah. <laughs> Some but, of it is fucking... Yeah, if you get a chance to watch one of them, watch The Stud. Yes. Uh, There's no point watching The Bitch. Um, But the songs have been added to uh, Now That's What I Call Horror Court Trash and a Place on Spotify. Uh, So at least you can enjoy that. Uh, So have you seen The Stud and The Bitch by some miraculous chance? If you have... Uh, tell us on social media. We are Horacle Trash over on Facebook and Instagram. Horacle Trash on Twitter. I'm Dead at Gaz92 on Letterboxd. Gazmo205 on Instagram and GazCruise92 on Twitter. I am Chris Barker 823 on Instagram, Twitter and Letterboxd. Uh, yeah, and if you're listening on iTunes, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. Like a follow on everything else. Go subscribe to us on YouTube or the usual. Um, we will be back on Friday. With our original versus remake threesome, where we're talking about the Virgin Springs and the two versions of Last House on the left. And next week, we are back on May the 4th, so it'll be a shame to waste it on Star Wars Day. We will be talking about Ewoks, Caravan of Courage, and Ewoks, the Battle of Endor. Oh, wow. Battle for Endor, sorry. Are you excited? No. For that. <laughs> no. They they universally panned. Aren't of course. They? Yeah. Of course. Okay. Uh, we'll watch some and episodes. Don't be Arthur. No, we'll yeah. watch some episodes of the TV show as well to uh, tell you what we think about that. 
So yes, I look forward to it. <laughs> but in until... fairness, I did have, I did post through these two films. <laughs> until then, we will see you on Friday. Bye. Bye.